स्मार्ट यू आर लिसनिंग टू अमिंट प्रोडक्शन हाई आई एम श्रुदिजित एम ए डेली बेस्ड जर्नलिस्ट एंड द एडिटर इन चीफ ऑफ मिंट एंड दिस इज द स्केच द आइडिया इज टू हैव कॉन्वर्सेशन विद माई गेस्ट दैट विल हेल्प अस गेट टू नो दम अ लिटल बेटर so i'll speak to business leaders not only about the performance of their business but also their convictions their method their influences and so on if we manage to get you to listen till the end we would have painted in your minds a sketch my guest today is a young startup founder behind a trailblazing e-commerce app Vidit Atre founded Misho in 2015 as a social commerce app that lured an army of small town resellers into becoming small business owners. More recently, Misho has pivoted from that strategy to become a more conventional e-commerce firm. Misho came into a field controlled by two giants, Flipkart and Amazon, and one that has seen several others fail. Quite remarkably, it has managed to amass a large number of users, especially in tier two and tier three towns, and make their much larger rivals sit up and take notice. But Vidit now faces many challenges. Taking on deep-pocketed challengers needs a lot of capital. They have money in the bank from previous funding rounds and significant runway, but they also have a fairly high burn rate. Misho now has to walk the tightrope between chasing profitability and growing market share. I hope to hear from him today all about his action-packed journey so far, Misho's transformation, what is he doing to pair costs, what are the challenges before his firm and how exciting is the future of his company as well as Indian e-commerce. With it, thank you so much for joining us and welcome to the sketch. Thanks, SK. Firstly tell us what has been the most gratifying part of your journey so far I think the gratifying part of our journey is reminded to us every single day right mm-hmm. like the we started this company with one simple goal one simple mission how do we bring india's small business economy online 85% of the entire retail in india offline and online put together is small business led unorganized unbranded small business led and when we started this company back in 2015 everything that was selling online was mostly branded smartphones branded fashion white goods tvs etc and small business economy took a back seat like no one was solving for them so we said we're going to bring them online both sanjeev who's my co-founder at misho and i come from lower middle class backgrounds right like all our lives we bought from these small businesses mm-hmm. we have an emotional connection to them it's not just you're doing some business we have an emotional connection to them so seeing them succeed every day like for the last 7 years when we saw women uh, entrepreneurs really become financially independent get a professional identity of their own because of a platform we see smallest of weavers and artisans across the country from very small towns come online get their products sold to people across the country become financially viable for the first time i think seeing these stories every single day inspires me inspires our management team inspires every single person in our company and i think that's the best part about this job because you just don't count money every day you count the number of lives the platform is changing and i think that fuels us to kind of come back to office with even more enthusiasm even more passion to kind of solve for the next 100 million uh consumers solve for the next 10 million small business i think that's what fuels us every single day 
very fascinating with it um do you have any any favorite stories can you think of um you know a particular weaver in banaras or any other uh, small business owner who who greatly expanded his market and reach uh, through me show so by the way i have lots of stories but let me pick up a story that like our team just sent me like mm-hmm. yesterday mm-hmm. so they met this 18 year old girl right who wanted to become a small business owner she said i'm going to start a business but she told her family who also has like been running small businesses for generations that i'm going to run a business but in a very different way i'm going to start an online business this time not start something offline so she started selling on misho i think about a year and a half ago and today she has a team of about 12 women who are working under her she has learned everything she has learned how to manage working capital she has learned how to figure out trends that consumers really want she has figured out how to price every single product how to really package the product to create a delightful experience so people come back and buy from her every single time she has figured out running ads on the misho platform so she can optimize the pnl for her business every single thing and now she is doing 20 crore worth of sales on misho every single year it's crazy lot. and she's an 18 year old girl right wow. so i think these are the stories where people are able to really fulfill their aspirations uh when they come to the platform and we again take pride from the fact that our platform is enabling her to fulfill her dream let's try and help our listeners understand the phenomena that misho is um can you tell me about how many consumers you have today or how many shipments you package um every month or every year now um uh, how many resellers you have on your platform what is the average ticket size uh, of the things you sell and broadly what are the categories that are your uh, sort of biggest uh, verticals yeah sure so today misho is a horizontal e-commerce platform so what does that mean horizontal means we have anything and everything that you think about selling on the platform starting with apparel accessories like jewelry footwear handbags to beauty and personal care everything that you have makeup etc in terms of scale in the last 12 months about 11.2 crore people in india have transacted on the misho platform they bought products from themselves on the other side we have about half a million sorry 11.2 crore people people okay have okay. bought products for themselves Okay. Right. So, how many orders would that translate into? So, I don't remember the orders for the last twelve months, but right. today, now on a monthly basis, we do about seven and a half to eight crore orders on a platform, wow. and wow. we have about three and a half crore people buying from us every single month now. So, three point two crore um, buyers a month, about eight crore shipments in a month. Uh, how many resellers are on your platform? So I think over the last like six seven years, now we have about eleven million resellers on the platform. Majority of them are women. Eleven uh, million active resellers right now. No, so this would be not active. This okay. would be total. Okay. Um, again, I won't remember the exact monthly active number. Okay. But on annual active, would be very close to this particular number that I just talked about. Okay. And what percentage of your revenue comes from? 
um, the activity done by resellers. We saw we, I mean, in 2021, for the understanding of our listeners, in 2021, uh, Mutual became a more conventional e-commerce firm in the sense that, you know, they, they list products that consumers can buy directly and, you know, there is no reseller uh, in the middle, etc. So what percentage with it of your sales now come through resellers vis-a-vis your um, B2C platform? So about 30% of our sales now come from our women entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and the remaining 70% today comes from consumers coming directly to the Misho app and buying for themselves. Okay, okay. So in that sense, the core of your company, the core of your business now resembles to a great extent any other e-commerce firm, doesn't it? No, no, I, I don't think so. Okay. <laughs> and I think it's in many ways, like if you come to the Misho app and you look at the experience, the kind of selection you buy, the kind of price points you get, even the entire browsing experience, like people come to Misho when they're bored and there's like an infinite scroll of products that you can find. Most of e-commerce before us was more search-led. People have to know what they want to buy and they go there. In our case, we've always built a much more... um, experience where people even when they don't know what they want to buy they'll come and explore something very unique very new from a small business that you did not know in some far northeast right right? and how do you do that so in a way what you're saying is that you're engineered to maximize serendipity and you know delight arising from that serendipity and how do you do that is there a lot of data science do you know your users a lot so can you talk us through the engineering uh, that goes into all of this yeah, and by the way, like you're absolutely right. There's a lot of engineering, including data science algorithms that go into making this happen, mm-hmm. right? I think before that, I'll give some context of why this is so important in our case. Mm-hmm. So India is a very, very heterogeneous country, right? Every two kilometers, everything would be, changes. That would be an understatement. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So every two kilometers, food changes, uh, culture changes, yeah. language changes, everything changes. Yeah. So people, like someone in Kolkata does not buy the same products than someone in Delhi, than someone in Chennai. Mm. People have very different taste. Yeah. So if you come to an app from all of these parts of the country and I show you the same selection, I'm not doing yeah. a good job for everyone, okay. right? So we realize this, that India is a very heterogeneous country. It's like mix of lots and lots of different taste and like things that people really want. We started to invest a lot towards data science, AI, machine learning. So as soon as you come to the app, we look at every single signal that you give us. Which, where do you click? What do you buy? What do you scroll very fast? Where do you scroll slowly? Um, Which kind of product sounds or looks interesting to you? Where do you click on a review? Where do you not click on a review? And start to build some sense of what do you really like? And then we start to push things that really make sense for you, right? Like you... It's very similar to on social media. The kind of stuff you start to see is things that you are interested in. Mm -hmm. Like that, you will start to see very similar selection that you are interested in and everything else goes in the background. So we've done a lot of investments behind like really creating a very strong data science platform in Misho. Mm -hmm. And we have seen that has also become one of our like biggest trends of why we could scale so deep into the country mm-hmm. that people from the remotest parts come and say, this looks like a place where I can buy from. It does not look like a kanch ke dukan where I can only see but not buy. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. It's very, very important. Right, right. 
I want to talk about your so-called pivot, or as you say, there has been no pivot. But uh, I want to talk more about that. But before that, can we talk a little bit more about your resellers? Um, what's their dynamics like? I mean, who is this person? Like, what is the persona um, of this reseller? Uh, why do they do this? Uh, what kind of money do they make out of all of this? Um, if you can just take us through that whole profile of your 11 million odd resellers. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So I think we landed on this insight, I think, back in 2016. Mm-hmm. And the insight is very simple. Mm-hmm. So India has one of the lowest ratio of women in the workforce absolutely globally shamefully low yeah. right like extremely low yeah. some 87 88 of adult women yeah. are not part of the workforce and declining which yes, is yes that's even worse, worse. Yeah. and you go other developing country like bangladesh etc it's much higher and it's improving correct so there's something fundamentally wrong yeah and then you realize because of that there are lots of nuances lots of women are very well educated very ambitious yes. want to do something of their own yeah but cannot Right? Cannot. Sometimes there is no opportunity. Sometimes there is societal pressure. Whatever. Lots of reasons that we are all familiar with. Correct. So we realize a lot of these women who are because some reason not allowed to go outside of their home. Yeah. End up starting something in their homes. So they start a boutique at home. Yeah. Or they start to teach tuition to kids around them. Yes. They start to make food in their society and sell to some people. Absolutely. Pickles. Correct. So they they start to run some home-based business. Absolutely. To fulfill that that need of yeah, right? self-actualization. Like, exactly. You know? yeah. Right? Like some of that. But we realize a lot of all of these things that I talked about, maybe except tuitions, require you to have some startup capital. Mm. If you want to start a boutique, you need to go to a Chandni Chowk, buy these products, come yes. back and sell. Yes. You at and least need some working capital advance. Correct. Right? Yeah. And most of them don't get it from their families okay. or elsewhere. Yeah. Like you can't go to a bank and say, I'm starting a home-based boutique, give me money. No banker will give you. Absolutely. So we realize that there's a big need for this. So we went out and asked these women, why don't you start the same boutique but do it on WhatsApp and you would require zero working capital. Mm. So you come to our app, you curate things that people who would have bought from you offline, you sell it to them on WhatsApp and we will take care of selection, the products, logistics, everything. Mm -hmm. But you do this and you make money on every sale. We started this in 16. In less than five years, we had 11 million women across the country. But so that's what I actually, that that rapid pace of your scaling is actually what I struggle to wrap my head around. <laughs> so, like, how did you do it? I mean, in the sense, did you send out sales folks to convert, like to talk to women and convert them? Did they talk among themselves? Was it word of mouth? Or is there an incentive structure that if you join and if you enroll more women into this, you get some benefit? How did it happen? No, no, I don't think we had any incentive structure or we didn't have any people on the ground. If we had people on the ground to do this, then getting the, to the even a lack of women would be so very hard, expensive right? yeah, like yeah. getting 11 million is impossible right I think the beautiful thing that we leveraged and a lot of people know about Misho because of that is we leverage WhatsApp really well okay. I think we'd leverage WhatsApp very well before anyone even realized that you can do use WhatsApp for business mm-hmm. so back in 2016-17 like you will create this group and you will kind of sell it out to someone and we will realize what will happen a lot of these women like women are selling to other women. Some of the women who are buying from them, we really look up to these women entrepreneurs. Right. Yeah, this lady is running a business of her own. Right. So she will come to her and say, I also want to start a boutique like you do. Right. Some of them will, like right. who are more ambitious. Right. And we basically... But will the... Sorry, let me stop you there. Will the first person... Uh, isn't that competition their own catchment area? So will the first person actually encourage the second person to start? We realize they did. 
right like the empathy levels among right. women is pretty high. high yeah so they see that hey this lady also is like how i was about a year ago right and is there any other nuance to the spread like are there did you do better in some states did it spread more in north compared with the south like how did that whole geographic spread happen so we saw like we were much stronger in south as compared to north and it was just totally dependent on the literacy levels of women across the country right, right? so in a uttar pradesh or bihar like the literacy levels are much lower so for them to really understand the nuances of the business what does margin mean what does marking up mean how much income do i make per month mm-hmm. how do i really sell this product etc were much lower mm. and we also realize when the seller this entrepreneur is more educated people also take her recommendations with much more authority like, mm-hmm. like she is saying she must be really good mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. okay um now about your business model so your sellers list on your platform at zero commission so you make your money from the advertising that they do then how do your resellers make money so our entrepreneurs make money by marking up products uh basis what they like and by the way some of them are very savvy so uh-huh. what a typical entrepreneur will do is when she's selling it to a new customer uh-huh. on the first order or maybe the first two orders she will right. not make any margin right because she really want to give the delightful experience to that customer yeah. i get this product at very low price right. value for money is high so i will really come back to her and buy again yeah. yeah and they really gradually start to add margin to those products and sell to these consumers and that's how they make money it's like very da- savvy it's dynamic pricing but without aiml it's like <laughs> human you know uh, and yeah. it works by the way it works like it, because it helps them build relationships right. and people really love buying from them they know like someone is taking care of them right so um why did you then in 2021 decide that um you also need to sell direct I think what has um, the question in people's minds is that you became a large app you became a phenomena through this reseller based model um you don't like to call it a pivot um why and and you know and why did you decide to uh, do the conventional thing which is something that everyone else is also doing yeah so as i just talked about some time ago i don't think it's conventional but before that like mm-hmm. the reason we don't call it pivot is because we haven't changed anything about the business we were running about women entrepreneurs it's still there and it's growing we added another thing which is now consumers can also come and directly buy from us mm-hmm. and let me kind of take about a minute and talk about why sure so what we saw that happened during the pandemic was starting 2020 a lot of these people who were generally buying from women entrepreneurs on whatsapp because either they didn't trust online platforms or they were not tech savvy enough to figure out how to transact on a shopping app like figured out how to use all of this why did they figure out they figured out because because of the pandemic they could not go out and they had to serve a lot of their needs online right so someone they asked their kids or asked someone else to please help me use this app and when that started to happen during the pandemic every single month share of people who were coming and buying only for themselves and not selling to anyone else was going up even though the app was only focused on women entrepreneurs or these resellers right it was only focused on them but people were just coming and buying from them so we started to speak to them i'll call them up and ask them why are you using this app to buy for yourself this app is for selling to someone else people say i don't find this selection anywhere else so then early last year we said like we have to do something about it like people are telling that they need this and we have been stopping them from using our app so starting july last year we opened up our app to consumers as well 
So consumers across the country can now come and buy for themselves along with resellers who are anyways using the app to run their business on WhatsApp. And we saw like everything went up like crazy. Like since July, we've been number one app on Play Store almost every single day. Right. Oh, is the number one app across all categories? Across all categories on Google Play Store. Since like now we'll complete almost a year. So more than WhatsApp, more than Facebook. Yes, everyone. Nice. Because the number of people that are there in India, right? Like right. you imagine the kind of scale. We've been the most downloaded app in India in the last one year. We've been one of the largest uh, downloaded e-commerce app, the top two and top three over the last like four or five quarters across the world, not just India. And most of the other apps in that list are global apps. We are the only app which is only in a single country. So it talks about the kind of scale that people... India has and we were able to scale it up because we really just offered it to people okay, now you can come and buy for themselves and people did and people are doing it in like large numbers so that's why we made the shift like people were really asking for it but uh, do your I mean I've, I've seen reports saying that um, uh, you know your resellers feel a little bit shafted because they're like well now you are competing with them uh, you build this app on their sort of, uh, you know, labor and efforts and all of that. And you spread the brand and now, you know, they feel a little bit uh, pushed aside. How do you respond to that? So some people do see it like that, mm. like as you mentioned. Mm. But most people understand the real point. Like mm. the most people understand that if the consumers evolved to buy themselves, if we stop them from our app, they'll go and buy from other e-commerce apps, mm. right? Mm. You can't stop a consumer from buying products online. Right. Right? Correct. And most people understand it. Okay, if you don't do it, someone else will do it. Mm. How can you stop a consumer? Okay, no, you cannot buy from anyone else, only from someone on WhatsApp. Mm. That cannot happen. Right. But you're absolutely right. Some some people feel that, hey, like these consumers are now buying from you earlier, they're buying from us. And we've been trying to communicate this. And if you ask me, I have seen a lot of people really understand this point. But we've been saying it to them, saying you cannot ever ever go against customer behavior mm. like short term you can do it but people will figure out elsewhere where they can buy some of these products elsewhere right mm. so that just does not make sense but um, help me understand this so why do people do this so they start getting weaned on to the phenomena of online shopping first through a reseller yes and then they witness for themselves so this is how this person does it and then they like they hear about the app, then they download the app, and they're like, "Wait, I can do this myself." Is, yeah, that, is that how it works? Absolutely. So absolutely. Right. So, and and I think that's the biggest and most critical role that these women entrepreneurs are playing. Right? Mm. They're really helping people who are only offline consumers today transition from offline to online. To online. Right? Yeah. They're really helping that bridge yeah. uh, happen. And yeah. they've been doing that for the last few years. I believe India's penetration is where it is today because, because of their role. Of, yeah. And by the way, that role will stay. Like right. even today, I think not more than 150, maybe close to 200 million people buy online. Mm. And there are about 500 million people who are active on WhatsApp. So there's still mm. a large delta of people who are online but don't buy anything online. Correct. And that's where our entrepreneurs continue to play a very strong role of serving these consumers, building more confidence that, hey, you can buy stuff online and not be cheated, you can start to trust them, understand those nuances. Yeah. No, so this 150 million number that you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, one keeps hearing that there are 150 million transacting uh, users in India who at any point in time have bought something online. Correct. Right? Um, where do you see that number going? Um, because at some point, like the purchasing power, I mean, the long tail of purchasing power, that sort of begins to diminish quite a bit. And then, so 
what is your sense like what is that catchment um, that is realistically a potential customer base for any e-commerce app um, number 2 how do you see it grow in the next 5 years next decade or so so i believe every single person of india's population is the target market for e-commerce mm-hmm. saying that these people buy lower ticket points and hence they can't be served online is not a valid argument like mm-hmm. our job then should be then how do we make lower price points work online correct right yeah. and that's what we've been doing like before us average ticket prices of products sold online was quite high mostly branded and that's why the market stayed small why are you not putting a number to it would you say was it over 1000 rupees or was it about 1000 rupees yeah yeah over 1000 rupees and right. our average order value today is about 350 so imagine oh, like wow. the delta that we created right. you're able to get the price point that people really buy mm. on a daily basis offline mm. come online mm. and we suddenly saw so many people who never transacted online before become active online mm. now the goal we have is how do we make a 250 price point work uh-huh. then 150 price point work then 50 rupees price point work uh-huh. and we continue to solve these hard problems uh-huh. then we'll be able to get not just 150 not just 500 but a billion people to transact online these are hard problems to do by the way so it may not happen in a month in a year in two years uh-huh. but i believe it will happen and will continue to happen gradually uh-huh. the question only is matter of timing and that depends on the kind of innovation that happens in the ecosystem or the kind of hard problems all of us solve uh-huh. very interesting so on the one hand you have to keep investing in solving these hard problems and you're very correct i i do think that these are the real hard problems to solve and innovating for um, a much more bottom of the pyramid or as you go lower down the socio economic pyramid how to get those folks onto the internet how to get them transacting how to get how to build products that are easily uh, used by them that is indeed a, a deep challenge and then on the other hand you have um, larger in terms of you know money scale establishment uh, backers much larger rivals breathing down your neck as well uh, this is a battle that will take a lot of capital um, one persistent sort of commentary about your firm has been that you have a very high burn rate and therefore you need to keep raising capital etc the number that has been bandied about is that you have a burn rate of about 35 to 40 million dollars a month um, one is that true and number 2 if you keep at that kind of burn rate uh, by when would you have to raise capital next sure so i think first of all our burn rates are much lower than the number you quoted mm-hmm. i think in between once off we this time we did uh, a big time ipl advertising campaign and because of that a particular month is more of an aberration so mm. what i i want to make very clearly clarify mm-hmm. is there is no need for immediate capital for us right okay. so we have very very strong backers on the cap table today yes. our board includes softbank nasper sequoia some of the people who can write big checks, big checks yes. but we don't need to go to them and take money today because we don't need it right. right there's absolutely no reason for us to do it today and i also want to explain this burn rate thing since you talked about i have seen this come out in some of the newspapers recently mm-hmm. right as a company we've always been contribution margin positive barring a few months here and there can you explain what does that mean what is contribution correct margin? so yeah. contribution margin means that we make money on every single order so you reduce all the unit cost my cost of support cost of call centers cost of logistics cost of payments cost of um like account managers who are aligned to some of these small businesses everything that you remove mm-hmm. 
after that we make some profit operating profit mm-hmm. right on every single transaction every single transaction so the only place where we have been more aggressive has been on customer acquisition and that's why we number on on play store but so the point is that given it's a large market given that you believe it's a much greater catchment is yet to be harvested then why would you stop now why would you try and become uh, cash flow positive instead of investing further and further into customer acquisition and uh, growing your market share yeah and i think that basically comes from what the market responds to right mm-hmm. like the market has changed the expectations of investors globally has changed you right. have seen what has happened to the economy yes and i don't believe that's the right strategy anymore mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. by the way even when we become cash flow positive we'll be investing aggressively Mm-hmm. we'll just not be investing as aggressively as we were doing last year mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. but we will still stay aggressive even then mm-hmm. so we'll continue to grow at a very healthy pace mm-hmm. while staying cash flow positive but i think the market wants to now see like both right like people are just not rewarding growth they are rewarding growth with profitability and we believe that's the right thing to do and that's why we have to adopt to the times and and we are doing exactly that mm-hmm. so i don't think you can not be cash flow positive or like have a path to becoming cash flow positive anymore because that's not right for any company. Hmm. You know another persistent commentary about your company and you is that you will get into strategies and not always either follow through or I mean you've said at one point that you will go big on international expansion that this is a model that could work in a lot of other markets and you went to Indonesia you don't seem to be uh, following through that anymore uh, at one point you said that you will go big on uh, groceries and hyperlocal um, one i want to know how the second one is playing out and two how do you respond to this overall sort of perception slash commentary um, that you have you pursue you tend to pursue multiple strategies and then sometimes lose focus etc no it's a very good question and great that you asked me this i strongly believe that innovation comes after failing a lot of times right like every single time so we just believe in failing a lot of times uh. right so people will not people said that no one no e-commerce company in india has ever gone international because such a local business we said we will try and learn uh. and we did that by the way uh. and we learned a lot about our business when we did that okay at one point in time people like we started expanding into categories which were more services led we said can we leverage our women entrepreneurs to not just sell products but can we make them sell travel products mm. right like mm. home mm. like your hotel packages or travel yeah. packages yeah. or can we help them to sell like education products insurance like to kids or, insurance know, yeah. we did everything by the way and we did and we failed and we learned something and we moved on yeah yeah right yeah. and and by the way like i believe in failing a lot more than we have failed so far right. like we want to do a lot more experiment that we do right so i tell people okay please do fail a lot more because every single time we fail we learn something that no one else has mm. and i also believe by the way that's why you're the most innovating e-commerce company in india mm-hmm. who would have thought that we would leverage whatsapp to reach so many people mm. who would have thought that we would create like a concept of women entrepreneurs on whatsapp and enable 10 11 million women to make some income get professional identity become financially independent right but we did that because we failed so many times when we tried something else which didn't work so i take pride in that by the mm, way mm, i take mm. pride in experimenting a lot more than other people mm. i take pride in failing a lot more than other people so that we learn something new and that's how we have pioneered everyone else yeah. like who has grown as much as we have in the last 2 years yeah. Yeah. so we get the 
like when you fail so much you also learn some insight that no one gets access to and that's yeah. why you grow a lot more that's why you get the reward that no one else gets absolutely tell me uh, with uh, does india have a more evolved um infrastructure i mean your business needs significant infrastructure to support you right like i mean you need um very good smartphone penetration you need good data you need a, a logistics backbone that because you don't do those yourself you know you need other players uh, you know who have a good amount of penetration um doesn't they score better on a lot of those counts compared with many of these other markets absolutely and i think like doing anything especially any business luck matters a lot more yeah. right like if i had started this business 10 years ago we would have failed miserably right right yeah but what happened we started this company in 15 in 17 18 geo happened, geo happened suddenly yeah. cost of data went down like crazy we yeah. saw number of people who were using smartphones now in very small towns and cities went up like crazy absolutely right that would not have happened 10 years ago yeah so that was a big big boost to us we saw a platform scaling up really fast because of exactly that another thing that happened is the third party e-commerce logistics ecosystem has evolved quite a lot in the last 5 6 years so if you're an e-commerce company 10 15 years ago you had to build logistics arm of yourself you'll have to build all of these warehouses you'll have to build uh, the entire network yourself today we don't need to mm. there's so many of them who have built out logistics network across the country so if you are just doing a good job of things that we are solving we don't need to go and also solve logistics problems in india and that kind of again gave us a lot of tailwind so move really fast and not rely on like doing it for city by city town by town also did not require us to invest as much capital as you would have like if you were doing this 10 years ago so timing in business matters a lot right yeah starting this business when we did was the right thing to do mm-hmm. earlier would have been much much harder i think the approach to the business would have changed yeah but we have gained a lot and that has really helped us get a lot more consumers right and a lot more small businesses than we would have had if we didn't have the same tailwinds yeah but let's let's talk about the international market i mean you are solving if you talk about the next billion consumers for the mm. internet right that uh, that whole expression and the idea uh, obviously part of them are in india but a lot of them are also in in many other countries and you are solving uh, a pretty key and you've quite successfully solved a pretty key issue um, for the next billion customers and there is clearly learnings that you can take to these other markets so are you done with the idea of international expansion or you're like we will study more more carefully enter and go back to international markets when when the time is right so if the question is the model that we build is it relevant in other markets and can we take there the answer is yes mm. right like on a daily basis we see some company popping up and saying we are misho for latin america right. we are misho for brazil we are misho for africa we are misho for indonesia we hear this quite often and that's happening because entrepreneurs there are taking inspiration from a model and solving the same problems in their home markets right So the answer to that first question is absolutely yes. Mm. Now the second question is do we want to do it today? The answer is no. Mm. We have so much on our plate. The opportunity in India is still as I was saying much ahead of us. We have about 112 million people transacting with us on a yearly basis. The population of India is much much larger than that like more than 10x of that. Like how do we even have mind space to think about anything else apart from India? Mm. We don't. Mm. So right now is not the right time. but when we are closer to our mission in india then we will start to think about taking this model to other developing markets where nuances 
there definitely some different cultural nuances but the problems are very similar mm. so we can take the same playbook solve those problems there and we'll be able to give mind space to those markets give focus to those markets solve some problems on the ground while not worrying too much about india so i think that's the that's the goal we have to get there first and then we start to think about international let's talk about uh, hyper local grocery delivery uh, what is the plan there how is it playing out so grocery for us is very important mm-hmm. and i'll start with again the reason why first so if you go lower and lower in income segment in india the share of grocery as a percentage of wallet spend goes up Absolutely. because people just don't have money for anything else correct. left correct. right correct they just want to spend all the incomes in food and like how they are forced to spend say you know 40% of their income on food sometimes correct. half of their income on food yeah so we see um non tier 1 and maybe some bit of tier 1 included 70% of their wallet spend goes into grocery right sorry in tier 1 non tier 1 in non tier 1 Seventy wow. percent, right? Wow. So if you don't solve grocery, you're playing with a very small percentage yeah. of their wallet spend. Yeah. So discretionary income basically tends to come really, really down. Correct. So therefore, you need to play in where some income is in play. Correct. So yeah. India is today like whatever we say is still a very low per capita market, like eighteen hundred dollars. Right. China is ten thousand. Indonesia is four thousand. Yeah. Bangladesh is now higher than us. Yes. Right. So whatever we say, India is still. very low on per capita correct so we have to solve for those daily needs that are the most important which is grocery mm. so that's why grocery for us is extremely important mm. i don't think we'll ever stop investing in that business mm-hmm. i will fail like 1000 times and i'm still willing to invest if we can win the next time mm. right mm. so that's what we say about it mm. but have you failed if you've tried lots of newer models okay and in the recent past we also kind of so earlier we were running a separate app on it we used to have people who are acquiring people on the ground uh, to become champions we right recently kind of made the model even more asset light and brought it to our app mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. and we see that the economics become much better and the model is much more scalable so mm-hmm. now we are kind of trying to scale that model up right now we are operating in some cities of south of india once we make that successful we will take it to other places mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. so very committed and so far we are very bullish we are seeing great signs of this working out but still very subscale mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. it hasn't reached scale for me to say yeah like this will become 50% of the business mm-hmm. we are still not there yet but all the input signals are great and as i'm saying like we are very committed to this mm-hmm. we have to solve it because that's where most of the wallet spend for our customer base lies like mm-hmm. how can we not solve that problem mm-hmm. You said you don't want to talk about competition, but I, I certainly must. Um, there have been reports that uh, some of your larger rivals have been very rattled uh, by your rise, as it were. And um, I mean, you know, Money Control, for instance, reported that uh, Flipkart has set up a war room, um, you know, especially to uh, monitor what uh, you guys are doing and how they can also do some of that. Um, Flipkart has certainly launched. A, I mean, Flipkart Group has launched a similar app. um how do you think about competition are you rattled by the attention that say much larger rivals are uh, paying to your segment if first of all i don't think we even think of them as like direct competition as such okay. right like they operate in very different markets mm. serving very different consumers very different kind of products mm. right mm. we always believe that we created a new market and we will continue to solve problems here we have we are not seduced to go and solve for some other like we will not try to f- solve problems for a tier one customer and we have no plans to go and sell a smartphone mm. right so i would say 
they are not like competition competition like yeah. they have solved real, like some problems in the last 10 years some of them have really helped expand that ecosystem that's great and we want to build over it mm. and we will continue to kind of build over it but we don't think of this competition a versus b blah 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 mm. right like mm. i don't know what's happening what they're doing some of the things you're talking about but we are very very focused inward of the mission we have the vision we have and the problems we need to solve to get there mm-hmm. and we believe everything else then falls in place mm-hmm. um what about the more recent controversy surrounding uh, misho was uh, when it emerged that um, some social media influencers were approached to spread canards about your company or you know run sort of a negative campaign about what is going on like by the way like our entire company especially me yeah. have been like really shook by this right, right. like i never ima- i know like things happen but this is extremely dirty mm. very unethical mm. low on integrity and i don't know who's doing it mm. i think we are we have recently sent a notice to that firm which is giving influencers money mm-hmm. to spread rumors about us mm. i saw even founders are being offered money to spread rumors about us on mm. twitter mm. so we have sent a legal notice to them and we will stay after this we'll keep pushing for investigation we'll put whatever resources we need to but i think we need to get this out mm. and not just for us but for the entire ecosystem Absolutely. because if it's happening here i'm imagining lots of other entrepreneurs would be going through the same thing correct right like yeah. people who have less resources can be bullied by this yeah right like people yeah. have high resources can just kind of go and do this yeah. so we need to create an example for the entire startup ecosystem Absolutely. so we'll stay behind it and we will try to get the culprit out figure out what their motive is why are they doing it hmm. but we will not stop until we kind of get this out because we believe someone has to do it for the ecosystem we have to create deterrence yeah. so that no other entrepreneur is being bullied uh like this it's, yeah. it's super depressing and like i i think the kind of things we should be talking about the problems we have to solve how do we do innovation not something yeah, like this, you don't yeah, want this to do, yeah, pulling people down by paying people to spread rumors is the worst kind of thing that can happen in the ecosystem absolutely um with it uh, tell me about um, as you mentioned earlier you come from a middle class family i think it it does say a lot about uh, today's india and today's indian ecosystem that um, you've been able to you know build a very large firm but talk me through that journey you know did you uh, you went to iit delhi did you want to become an entrepreneur what were your aspirations for yourself when you started uh, and then i mean how did you ever wake up one day and decide to start an e-commerce firm in 2015 i remember it already felt like e-commerce was a very saturated space right um so talk us through all of that like actually i don't think i ever thought i'll be an entrepreneur when i was at iit delhi mm. and so i grew up in like pitampura rohini part of delhi mm. which is northwest and most people don't become entrepreneurs there mm. so either people like start these small shops small businesses uh, or they join government jobs so when i was growing up my dad was in a government job my mom was a homemaker and my dad just like his world view was quite narrow he saw his bosses 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 and ios officers yeah, so yeah. all my life i was studying so that i can eventually give yeah. exam for civil services and become an ios officer yeah. right that was the single goal i had yeah. like there was no other thing i knew yeah. so my parents come from a family of farmers they were the first time someone came out of the village so either they knew farmers or they knew people who are working in government jobs yes so i went to 
IIT Delhi and suddenly my world view expanded so but but tell us about how i mean in the sense ki you know getting into an iit is not a small thing right like so were you a very bright student and uh, did you show a lot of early promise and is that how you went into iit so until i would say until 10th standard like i was not the brightest person in the class but i was also not like someone who doesn't study so somewhere in between and then 11th and 12th i realized like unless i get here it's going to be super hard for me so i just slogged quite a lot and somehow landed in iit delhi i think that's how the journey was mm. Uh-huh. and when i went to college after that i suddenly got exposed to so many things right. i realized people come to iit delhi and become investment bankers yeah people come here and become management consultants yeah. people come here and start companies correct people come here and like become ceos of companies who have nothing to do with engineering Absolutely. and i thought this is an engineering college yeah. right yeah. so that's the first of all like the world we expands yeah sorry to interrupt i i i always say this that you know when growing up like you know none of us knew that there were jobs like investment banking right like, you, you didn't realize it was possible for professionals to you know be in in jobs that made you like hundreds of million dollars in uh, bonuses and and what not so this world itself is alien and and you're absolutely right so when you get into uh, an elite university or college like all of those possibilities suddenly open up you're suddenly i mean your your universe of possibilities expand so dramatically right and then you're exposed to all of these possibilities suddenly yeah absolutely so i came to college i met my alumni and they'll say hey i'm working in this bank so yeah. what do you mean you're working in this bank <laughs> i thought you did some engineering degree right and by the end of four years i was very clear i don't want to be an ice officer yeah right like that's how it started like i I saw all of these possibilities and I found other things to be a lot more exciting than this my dad obviously was quite upset like yes. for a very long time yes uh but I said I- I'm sure he even now he's a little bit disappointed yes, yes. right <laughs> that he you're not an IS officer <laughs> correct correct yeah, yeah. I think whatever I do I think he'll always feel that would have been a much better profession yes yes but after that I realized that I want to do something else so I went and joined ITC as a management trainee um had a lot of people reporting to me learned a lot about management again very less about engineering right. and then like through a lot of my friends who were my batchmates but went to bangalore they were telling me they joined companies like mintra or inmobi the tech companies mm. who are growing very quickly mm. so they can they build something tomorrow they see numbers go up mm. and itc was a traditional company right. it was a great company but yeah. traditional company things move slowly yeah. so i said i want to be part of this jing jang cool crowd right yeah, like yeah, so yeah. I, i want to be part of this cool ecosystem where things are happening so fast yes. and everyone's getting very high salaries and yes. getting stocks and stuff like that yeah. so i asked a friend of mine to refer me to some tech company in bangalore fortunately i landed a job in inmobi mm. and i worked there for a year mm. at the end of the year i realized like the founders are people like me <laughs> like people who come with very similar background they Correct. went to it kanpur Correct. after that it's not that they were they worked for 10 years in this industry to understand how mobile ads work yeah. they just figured it out on their own mm. if they can do it so can i yeah so a year later i left the job yeah. i reached out to sanjeev who was my batchmate from college very close friend who was then working as a software engineer with sony in tokyo mm-hmm. we agreed he came back and then we started to figure out what to do 
and tell me why did you think of uh, this particular idea a lot of startups and a lot of founders um stumble into an idea eventually right like they start something i mean vijay shekhar sharma did like bunch of things if before he thought ki okay wallet is the thing right like call it tunes and and you see that with many entrepreneurs they'll start a small firm fail then stumble onto some idea and then that takes off um that wasn't your case and and therefore why did you get into this and how did you think that this was a good idea um so i think what we did sanjeev came back from tokyo and we created an excel sheet of possible ideas right and then we put two filters is the market large enough that it will take a lifetime to solve right mm-hmm. like you don't want to get bored in like 5 6 years yeah and is the problem something that we can relate with nice right yeah. these two things nice so, he came up with that framework <laughs> so he said that both this wherever whichever ideas are dono tick kar sakte to wo karenge correct Haan. and then we landed on this small business economy coming online okay. so as i said both of us come from middle class background yeah. we bought from them this yeah. it has to come online right and second this is the largest retail market opportunity in india yeah, yeah. so from everything else this basically was the tick on both right. and we said we'll solve this how we have no idea both of us have zero experience in e-commerce retail anything right we said we will figure that out like everyone else has okay. but we will solve this and how did you go about it where did you get your earliest capital from you know how did you go about hiring how did you go about figuring out who to hire even right like so i think even before hiring to figure out how to solve this right. basically we just spent a lot of time on the ground so we were staying in kormangla and bangalore every single day we go and pick a new small business shop ask the small business owner that hey we're going to sit on the side and observe you from morning to night wow right and we will not bother you don't yeah. worry we'll yeah. just see what you do because we wanted to find problems to solve for the small business owner right and we'll go from shop to shop to shop to shop right eventually we landed on one insight okay. we said a lot of these small businesses in some form are online because they're selling on whatsapp to their existing customers mm. if we can just make that whatsapp business much larger his online business become much larger yeah So we said let's just solve for tools for them. And that's when the first version of Misho came in. How long did you bootstrap and when did you raise like first capital externally and who gave so you money? So bootstrap for almost a year. Wow. And then after that we got some angels. Right. Uh, so you had enough savings to last survive and bootstrap <laughs> for a year? Exactly. Wow. We had. Uh, how many people's salaries did you have to pay during no those one. time? No one, just me and Sanjeev. So but wait but you had to code some So everything so every bit of the app was coded by Sanjeev there were no employees ah. and all the business stuff so I will go and even deliver the products then on my bike I'll right. go and deliver the products to every customer in that particular area okay. I will do it because after giving the product I will ask them for feedback and learn something right right so it was no one else it was just two of us nice yeah. and we kept experimenting ourselves okay and then um, when was the period you figured that you were onto something really big I think it happened um in the first quarter of 2017 so almost 2 years after, after we started right by then how many employees were you we were about 35 40 people okay and then we saw the like these entrepreneurs these women, how many are you today we are about 1800 right so we saw like some of these entrepreneurs who were using our app coming on whatsapp were just using us again and again mm. So lots of problems in their own entire supply chain because the business still new. We have to plug a lot of gaps. Mm. So they'll keep complaining. This is not right. This is not right. But they'll come to us every single day right. because no one else is solving that problem for them. So we knew this is product market fit. Right. Right. Like when you become so important in someone's life, yeah, 
you really are a viable business. So right. then we just kept doubling down on this problem, kept building a better product, a better platform, kept solving their supply chain issues over time, kept adding more selection and the business kept scaling. Mm, 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 mm. Quite a remarkable journey uh, with it. Perhaps my last question to you, uh, what is the future of e-commerce in India? Are we hitting a saturation point? Um, what's the future for Misho and, and for e-commerce in India? So I think the journey is just getting started. Mm-hmm. So you look at India's penetration uh, of e-commerce and retail is about just 6%. Mm. It's very small. Mm. You look at all the other markets, like China is about 35%. US is very close to that number. Even other emerging markets in Southeast Asia, Latin America are very, very close to that number. So India is still very far away. Mm-hmm. And I'm very excited about it. Uh-huh. Because the opportunity is ahead of us when we are building this out. Uh-huh. So every year we have to solve it. The problems are very nuanced, specific to India. So you just can't copy-paste something from outside and bring to India. So we have to solve it on the ground. The same way we sat in these small business shops to figure out problems, we uh-huh. have to be on the ground and do this. Uh-huh. But the opportunity is quite large, uh-huh. right? Like the opportunities to serve our own countrymen and really make their lives easier, make them achieve their goals, make them achieve everything they wanted to achieve. Uh-huh. So I'm very, very excited. I'm super excited, by the way. Uh-huh. And I believe like India will have very large outcomes in e-commerce because of the kind of opportunity we have and because of the kind of problems we have, uh-huh. which are very, very unique to uh-huh. India. And and do you have a very clear, clearly articulated mission? Uh, do you want to be like, the the biggest e-commerce firm in India. Do you are you much more focused on bringing more businesses online? What is the framework you like? Mission is not about like some scale, about some number, about some earning, some amount of revenue. Mm-hmm. I think those are the right things to take goals off, mm-hmm. but they can't inspire you every day. Right. Like what inspires us is that we are really democratizing e-commerce for a billion consumers, for sixty million small businesses, and all the women possible who are there to come and start their own business, right? Yeah. Like online, yeah. who are our entrepreneurs. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what is the mission statement we have and that's yeah. what inspires us every single day. Any plans to go public, number one? And number two, because you're a US domiciled company, if you were to go public, you would go public in the US or in India? So that option we haven't decided yet. Mm-hmm. The good thing is we have both options. Um, we would love to kind of go public in India. Mm-hmm. Um basis where the market is but I think we will decide closer to the date we haven't decided yet mm-hmm. uh, in terms of when I think that when with everything that's happening in the market is a bit uncertain mm-hmm. but internally we will be ready in the next one and a half to two years why are you a US domiciled company I think it just happened when we went to YC mm-hmm. every YC company has to be domiciled in US mm-hmm. at least at that point in time I don't know if they've changed it Right. Um, so that's why we did it like after that but we also realize there are lots of benefits that come with it. Mm-hmm. And I think government is trying to solve for it. Um, earlier, there were issues around angel tax, etc. that used to be faced by people who are domiciled in India. Outside is not there. Mm. Like some of the investors who are uncertain about tax systems in India mm. prefer to invest in companies who are registered outside of India. Right. So I think lots of these things were there. But I think over time, they'll get solved. Right. I don't think a company starting today needs to be registered outside of India. Right. So do you have any plans of coming to India and being domiciled here? We are open about it. I think we will see, as I was saying, depending on where we do an IPO, we can basically closer to the date, figure out right. if we want to do it. Right. Uh, but that can be possible. Right. right. 
Vidit, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for joining the sketch. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really enjoyed it as well. Thank you. That's it from me for this episode. You've been listening to the sketch. This episode was edited by Manjul Paul. Deepthi Ahuja is the producer of this show, and our audio editor is Sanju Abraham. You can email us with your thoughts on the sketch at livemint dot com. For more updates on this podcast, follow HT Smartcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and LinkedIn. To listen to more such Mint podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com. Goodbye and thanks for listening. This was a Mint production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast.